Happy Sunday, fellow acolytes. I don't know, whenever you're listening to this, could be a, a Wednesday, a Monday, or a Friday. I am your fellow Sith Lord, your fellow YouTuber, Ty. And with me, as always, is... It's Kaylee. Hi there. Yeah, she's a... She, she's I too... gotta go to work tomorrow. She really wants to do a blog chapter by chapter. Who knows? By the time this comes out, we might have a whole Light of the Jedi one. That would be neat. It would be. So, like, as soon as the podcast release, they can, like, go through the You know, the drive. If, you, if you guys want to, you know, donate to us so that, you know, I can quit my job, or, that would be fancy. Or sponsor me, YouTube, or somebody on YouTube sponsor me. Or buy her a shirt that I'm really insecure about right now. So, um, Or yeah. I guess just listen along and be entertained. Yeah, Whatever. you know, if one of you are listening, then then there's been a difference in the world that's been made, you know? Um, I feel like it's funny because people are going to, like, watch the YouTube channel and then this is going to get released and they're going to be like, holy shit, he's two different people. And and you have to understand that my confidence to be able to do YouTube has come from this. So everything's backwards. I'm doing the George Lucas. <laughs> I, you know, I, I have, I am currently doing four, five, and six, and I just did one... And I'm now doing one, two, and three. And then later down the line, I'll sell out and do seven, eight, and nine. Okay. <laughs> no, that's not a shot at the sequels. People are going to be like, oh my God, he, he hates the sequels. Like, I'll, I'll be so like decently sized in the future. They'll be like, Variety will be like, oh my God, YouTuber Sensation Ty hates the sequel trilogy. YouTube Sensation. <laughs> Wow, um, you got no, a big I'm head there. No, I'm kidding. Have released an episode I'm or a kidding. chat or a um, video on the YouTube? I what? I said we haven't even released an episode or a video. and uh, They don't know that. You're like, sensation YouTuber. And then I'm going to have to like explain. Yourself. I'm going to have to explain my point of view on twitter and be like no 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 variety's full of shit and then you know it's, oh, wow. it's like a circle it's like a circle i lose half of my fan base and then make an Go apology round video and round and round. <laughs> <laughs> no i'm kidding that's all stupid i hope none of that ever happens um i hope the worst thing that happens is somebody's like hey the lighting in your video sucks <laughs> or some nerds like look at that color correction it's oversaturated and i'm like yeah you're probably right <laughs> So what are we? We are a Star Wars podcast um, talking about the tiny little aspects of Star Wars. Like, for example, if we get a book, we read chapter by chapter, runs, broken down by issue, series will be broken down by episode, and movies, well, you just get us talking about the movies. We also have video games. We think. We don't know. Yeah, we'll see how it goes. I mean, we obviously have video games. We just don't know how we're going to do it. Um... Yeah, you can follow us on Twitter and Instagram at WayfinderPod. TikTok. And TikTok. And you can go over to the YouTube. Um, on our Twitter, we have a link. I don't know what the link is. Link tree? Link tree. That will lead you to the YouTube channel. If you want to go check out that and subscribe, make sure you like and ring that bell icon. Ew. Yeah, that's what the YouTubers say. You can follow me on Twitter at Jabawanawanga, and you can follow Kaylee at I Need to Change My Name. <laughs> no, you can follow me on Twitter at Darth Lady Shaw. 
dark turd all. Log, have I waited? If you want to leave a donation, there will be a link for you to do so. Or you can buy our merch. From it, multiple sources. From multiple sources. Sources? Sources. Uh, not our link today. tree has our Teespring and our Etsy. I hope the Etsy is going well in the future. I don't know how it's going. Um, our official artisan is why not stuff he's done some of our really elaborate art and then music from augusto denise over on fiverr he worked with Hans zimmer what a cool dude that's neato yeah it is so with that being said hold on i didn't even download the pdf you sent me wow shame do you really want to hurt me do you believe in magic do 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 Anyway, nobody knows. Welcome to the High Republic. Centuries before the rise of the Empire, prosperity, pioneering, and adventure marked the era of the High Republic. Chapter 25, Elfrana. We start off on page 196, and we end on page 205. Like I mentioned last time around, we are halfway done with this book. Halfway done. Halfway there. Whoa. Living on a soul. That's not how it goes. Charles. So this chapter starts off. A clang. Clubber Lang. A clang? It's weird because he typically starts off um, books with, or books, chapters with people's names. So do you think Sylvester Stallone was like, Hey, yo, you're going to fight this guy named Mr. T, and I'm going to fight a guy named Clang. No, Clubber Lang. Oh, I was very confused Clubber as to Lang. where you were going with this. Yeah. Because he has nothing to do with Star Wars. Is this Clay? It's Clubber Lang. A Clubber Lang. And the vehicle shuddered. Alrighty then. <laughs> anyway, so a Clang and the vehicle shuddered. Flashback. Doo-doo-doo. Doo-doo-doo. Oh, God, we're going to get copyrighted now. ESPN with their big uh, telegraphic wiener is going to come over here and just, like, They're you know how, like. They're going to go after a small podcast. You know how, like, uh, the the ESPN symbols go across the screen? Mm-hmm. It'd be like that into your butt. <laughs> All righty. Anyway. So, flashback. Um, we're going to flashback to chapter 22. This was the last time we were with Bell Zedifar, Loden Greatstorm, Indira Stokes, and Porter Ingle on Elfrana. Um, they received an anonymous message that a family was being attacked by the Nihil. We do find out in this chapter, though, that the family's surname is Blythe. Yeah, I thought we already knew that. No, all we had known was their first names. I'm pretty sure. I don't know. Let me search it real fast. Mm, Blythe. I don't think so. I think it's in the... Uh, oh, JK. It is in chapter 22. Very briefly mentioned. It says the Blythes. Ooh, daddy's right. So, um, this... So, I have a new segment for this chapter. Oh. Or every chapter. And it's a really simple segment. It's to put in context the entire chapter. This was recommended... Pudding? pudding? Like... Chocolate pudding? 
Um, anyway, it was recommended to me by somebody who shall re- be renamed named anonymous. Jesus Christ, my English. Um, but why, why do you look suspicious? Why? Why? Well, if you just let me spit it out and stop talking to you. <laughs> um, okay, so basically, it's to put the chapter in context. Basically, the the uh, segment is like uh, shit. <laughs> Wow, what a great segment we have going here. You just make fun of me. Okay, I'll do that. Um, the segment is called, Why Does This Chapter Exist? And the segment is basically us explaining or giving our perspective on why this chapter is the way that it is or why it's even necessary. Which we will do at the end of the chapter, of course. Okay, who gave you this idea, and why were you so somebody, suspicious? Somebody anonymous. Anyway, can we get into the chapter? Why are you being a weirdo? Why are you keeping it anonymous? Because they has to be anonymous. Is it weird to respect people's privacy? <laughs> where Where do you live? Can you start us off, where please? Do you, where do you please, live? Please, madam. Where, where do you madam, live? Madam, please. Where do you live? Start us off. Is it privacy, or is it privacy? It's privy. Please start us off, Madame Luce. How would you like me to start us off? This chapter starts off uh, basically um, with them inside a little machine called a Vanguard that was designed by the Valkyrie Enterprises, not spelled the way that you think. Valkyrie. Valkyrie. Yes, but it's spelled Valkyrie. Or it's spelled Valkyrie. Huh? So, yeah, they're basically um, driving in this thing called the Vanguard or a V-Wheel, which is extremely similar to a vector. A vector. But it is for planets. Why is it similar to a vector? Um, like, how is it similar? Yeah. Oh, it's similar in the fact that you have to... Um, Use a um, a lightsaber to basically control the in, the weapons, or is it internal systems? It's basically like uh, it's it's the same way how they start it. Like it's mechanical in nature, like how they use the lightsaber and the um, the V will or Vanguard is like extremely simplistic as the vet vector to allow like um, room for the Jedi to operate how they see fit. Right. And it is um, every single Jedi outpost has at least one of these. And on Elfrana, they really have to use this over a vector because of the magnetic fields on the planet that won't allow for um, flying vehicles basically to maneuver on the planet. I was like, what are you doing with your hand? Which is why, um, the Nihil actually didn't just fly their ship over to the Blythes and then take off, which they mention in this chapter. Yeah, they had to set it off at a great distance. Um, with that being said, in the middle of page 197, um, it does say here, it's a little thing. It says, no Jedi would use the Force to accomplish something easily done with their hand, starting the uh, the the ground vector thing. Um, Elzar Man would. But we also know that he... It's not the average Jedi, and we've already mentioned that he would probably be friends with 
Anakin, and Anakin was definitely not the typical Jedi. No. They both uh, bang, she bang, she bang, she move. So we do get a little bit of information on Endear Snoke. 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 Stokes. The mighty Kylo Ren. Stokes. Not Snoke. Endear Snokes. Boy, I wonder if she's going to get cut in half. Endear Stokes. I bet she's stoked. (laughs) Anyway, we do get some information on Endear Stokes. Um, and it's basically implying that she's one of the most technological-minded of her crew, um, which is funny because there's like this little passage in the Rising Storm that calls back to this. But I thought it was like a cool little thing. Well, I mean, she's a what is she? An Irigarian? Irigarian? Akirian? Okay. I don't yeah. know. I'm confused. Yeah, now. she's an Akirian. <laughs> she's a specific kind of species. Ikariki. It's on the next page. Ikariki. Ikariki? It's in the middle of the next page. Ikariki. Ikariki. Well, she's a. Ikraki. Ikraki. That. There yeah, it is. Sorry. So, Border Engel, he's older. So, you know, older people typically aren't going to be very technologically advanced. Um,. You'd think. He's not. No, he's not, but he's swift. Old people surprise you. Yes, he's <laughs> has nothing to do with technology. No, though. but, you know, it could be an old person. You can never count them out until they're dead. Wow, you you <laughs> went for that. Um, uh, curious, though, why she is the most technologically advanced. Does it have to do with her species? Does she just like technology? Um, but we don't get that description. Yeah. Yeah. But this this chapter uh, reminds me a lot of Ram Jamaram. Jamaram. I'm going to call him Ram Jamaram because I think that sounds cooler, but it's Ram Jamaram. Who are you talking about? In Race to Crash Point Tower, there is a Jedi who's mechanically inclined. That. Well, is there... Anakin was mechanically inclined. Yes, but not like Ram. Or, or the, there was like a BuzzFeed article that came out actually about a week ago that was like, Race to Crash Point Tower might explain how Anakin Skywalker is such a good mechanic. So, who knows? Mm, okay. But yeah, this chapter reminds me a lot of Ram. So Ram Jammer Ram? The Rammer Jammer? Yes. So they are, uh, they are looking out to the horizon, um, which is Ogden's Hope. Ogden. And they and and they see smoke in the distance, and it's like, well, that's the Blythe homestead. So I I really didn't like that. I was like, the are the natives um, sending you smoke signals? <laughs> yeah, it's like, is that the neighbors? And it's like, really, bro? I mean, just because there's smoke doesn't mean I don't know. Maybe they're burning their wood. Yeah, it was kind of. I don't know, just convenient for the plot. Yeah, and it's like, we need another reminder from Lone Great Storm here that the Nihil are bad people. Says It says on the top of 198, the Nihil, from what I've heard, are destroyers. They take what they want and wreck what's left. They use gas attacks, too. That could be what we're seeing, but it was smoke. See what I don't like about third person omniscient and you know changing 
uh, viewpoints constantly is you as the reader knows a whole lot more than what the characters do. And so the the characters have to reiterate constantly basically to like tell you, hey, I know that you know what's going on, but I'm going to say it again. That's my big issue with this point of view. Well, that's the biggest problem with this book, I feel like, is like the book is so slow and the book is so slow because the characters are always behind it like most of this book is investigating mm-hmm. um and, the, and and giving you the information you've already heard yeah so it's like once they figure out what you know you're like oh my god <laughs> oh my god so yeah i could definitely see that so it does say um uh, about indira stokes it says mm-hmm. outwardly the ikreki what oh okay would you like to? Well, no, because what I what I highlighted in green is about Port Ingle. Oh, okay. well, go ahead. Okay, so also on this page, on this is one ninety eight, we get a little bit more. Um, I wouldn't say descri- I mean, it's a description of how Porter Ingle is currently, but it gives a little bit more with the lore um, that the Padawans, you know, talk about him. Um, It says in the middle of 198, um, what was appearing in his place felt like a dormant volcano beginning to wake, simmering and ready, filled with unimaginable power, which uh, we do see something fascinating with Porter Ingle in this chapter of how powerful he truly, truly is, even though, you know, what we've seen of him so far is kind of this calm mannered person who's just kind of likes things going at the slow pace, likes to help people, likes to cook. Um, It goes on to say, the ancient Jedi was summoning up a ghost, one of his former lives, a version of himself the Padawans told stories about. Someone, the sort of people who attacked defenseless settlers, should pray they never meet. Which uh, which reminds me a lot of samurai films or um, really old westerns about the old gun who is the best in the Mm -hmm. West. And you meet him, and he's this old, quiet-mannered guy, possibly a drunk, but he's still the best damn hand, like, around. Right, which is what we're. I feel yeah. like we're getting. Or you get that samurai who, like, like for example, um, I'm trying to think of one that you've seen. You haven't seen, no. Like, yeah. Mortal Kombat, for example. <laughs> That's what was coming to my mind, was the guy. Oh, what a piss-poor example. The guy who, who settles down and then yeah. is really a, a bad A at what he does. You get Scorpion, who's taking like a little garden spike hoe um, and putting <laughs> it through people's necks and pulling them into the ground and snapping their necks. You get that kind of uh, uh, feeling or vibe. Cool, calm, and composed, but extremely deadly. Like there's even after that, it says, Are you all right, Porter? Bill says. Yes, the old Jedi answered with out shifting his gaze so he's he's completely focused <laughs> he's not distracted at all and it's almost uh terrifying and on the back of these i keep forgetting their names these vanguards i, I keep wanting to say vector because these but on the back of this vanguard they there are veil speeders there's two of them which are little tiny dur aluminum lumium Duralumi, Durul- they have a duralium, duralium, duralium frame. But basically, what they are, um, 
is there an engine-powered flying broomstick? Yeah. Um, and I was like, hmm, I feel like if you you know are a fan of Harry Potter, uh, Arthur Weasley would be very fascinated in this kind of things because he likes the muggle mixture with uh, the wizarding world. This is a combo right there. I'm not a Harry Potter fan, so um, nor have I read... I've only read one Harry Potter book, and I've Shame. read it twice, and I was never interested to go back. Shame. It's very, it's very confusing writing, honestly. Because um, I tried. It's technically a children's book, and I tried to read it when I was a kid, and it's I. Not a children's book. Well, that that's what it was aimed at. That's you know, a hero's it, journey. Well, you see, you start with Harry at eleven years old. Yeah. And it's meant for, basically, for you to grow with yeah. Harry, but. I couldn't read that book at 11 years old. I honestly couldn't read any of them until um, I actually read all seven of them twice in high school randomly one summer. And there's still parts of it that I'm I'm like, eh. Well, it's it's like, well, it's like the Chamber of Secrets, like uh, at least the movie I couldn't watch when I was a kid. Oh, yeah. The movie was scared the shit out of me. Well, yeah, because when it came out, it came out in like oh two or oh three. That's a practical snake, isn't it? Uh, it's not see, CGI. See, I don't know. But I was like seven when the movie came out. And my mom's like, yeah, let's go watch this movie. And um, I didn't watch Harry Potter for a long time. I think I stopped until Goblet of Fire came out. Um, and That was I- it's the worst book to get through. Oh, my God. Because it's, it's honestly the longest book, and she and like she she wrote so much of it, and then she was like, "Oh, I'm way off of the point of what I had, so let me just like jump into my point." Well, J.K. Rowling is also kind of a turd sack, and um, this isn't a um, a recommendation for J.K. Rowling. She's actually a terrible human being. But with that being said, um, the, wow. Well, I'm just saying it because I know there's a lot of listeners out there who actually agree with that. And I don't want this to be like, oh, I've read Harry Potter, so I like J.K. Rowling. You know, I got to be crystal clear. Um, but, yeah, you you kind of see that with the High Republic because you just finished Test of Courage. Mm-hmm. Um, Vernestro Rowe and Emery, they're extremely young. And that's a kid's book. And in 10 days and about a week and a half it's releasing justina ireland the same person who wrote that mm-hmm. book a ya novel with the same people oh okay so you're seeing them move from kids book young adult novel kind of grow with them yeah, yeah. so you're seeing that anyway Back uh, to, to, to with that this. being says uh says and dear stokes um took off why did she take off kaylee um, she took off basically to um, get a look uh, from above. Um, she wound up like a half a kilometer away, I believe is what she said. Um, basically trying to get the whole picture. Um, but that's the really the last that we see of her in this chapter. We do get like a brief conversation through a comm link, but nothing... Yeah, I mean, kind of, sort of at the end, but we'll get back to that. Yeah. Um, and what basically comes next is, do you sense any survivors? And uh, neither Loden nor Bell senses any. Um, but they're like, yeah, we're going to still check it out. Just make sure everything's okay and to get a view of the land. Of course, because nothing ever goes wrong when you're in 
in, entering a burning down house besides the fact that it's burning down um so they do make contact with indira um to touch base on what she's found out and she's like nothing but if there's anything coming your way you know i'll let you know and uh, what's funny is midway through this chapter on page 200 it says easy friends he says this is porter Engel, and the beast calmed immediately sinking in their haunches huddling together in their pen there's something with star wars like the theme with this book has been nature of course it's the theme with star wars i've reiterated it over and over and over about there's this idea of this like naturalistic state of calmness and the big imperial machine when it comes to like this technological terror you know things like that but one of the small things that we've seen with like ezra miller for example it not ezra <laughs> ezra, ezra bridger. bridger ezra bridger for wow. example um you see um jedi becoming in touch with nature such as like ezra with the loath wolves and it kind of like forms a symbiosis of becoming one and it's always like this lesson or uh, the next step for a jedi being able to form this symbiosis with nature oh i thought you highlighted it for that reason i just i just thought uh on, okay, honestly, I don't know where we're at. I was looking something up. <laughs> the middle of page 200. The, the purple? Yes. Oh, okay. I, Holy shit. I I honestly highlighted it because it it goes towards like the mind trick, mind touch type thing. Yeah. Um, and with them doing it with, with animals, it wasn't so much. In this case, I don't feel like so much of, um, you know, him connecting and trying to you know connect with nature it was just more so to get them to shut up yeah so that they could focus around for the things around them and to keep them calm basically not let them suffer in their terror and fear yeah and i mean it'll come back later on when uh my point about like becoming one with them right like later um so let's see where is it at porter does say the Nihil took some family steelies when they lost their speeder. I can see the whole story right here in the dirt. Six people, four captives. Two of them are kids. He just looks at the scene and he's like, bada boom. Yeah, he can just look at the, the footprints basically of the steelies and know exactly what's going on. And you're like, okay, old man. Like that's such um, a cheat code. I mean, it's an it's another one of those things like, the characters have to catch up with what we know, and that was a very easy way to do that. The old man just kind of knowing what's happening. Yeah, this like, is... Um, kind of just uh, reminds me of any time that someone, like, goes up to, like, a substance and, like, puts their pinky on it and, like, tastes Salt. it. Salt. And then they're like, they went that way. And you're like, what? Or, or, or it's, <laughs> it's like, um, it's like The Last Jedi when... Um, uh, what's his face puts it he's like salt and, yeah, he, and every, I'm like why is that important well because everyone is probably like <laughs> what why why are we is this is this snow is this ice there's these ice crystal animals so it was a very simplistic way to tell the audience what the <laughs> environment is like yes, why are you laughing at me because <laughs> I was just thinking about it I'm like why does it matter if it's salt or not I mean, um, maybe honestly, maybe it's a metaphor for fans. Honestly, when we went and saw it in theaters, because this was the first Star Wars movie that I saw in theaters, 
Um, Midnight premiere, IMAX, baby. God, most uncomfortable seats. They weren't the reclining ones. Anyway, when we went, I, I think we had just binge watched like all of the movies, and it was the first time Every I'd time. actually watched any of the movies. And um, we're in The Last Jedi, and we get to, um, God, what's the planet? Crate? Crate, yeah. We get to Crate. And I'm like, okay, this is a lot like Hoth. Like, this must yeah. be snow. This must be something like that. And so I was genuinely curious during the movie, like, why why is it turning red? And then they had to tell you that it was salt. And I was like, oh, okay, makes sense then. I don't know why it would turn red, but I guess it makes sense. See, I didn't even I didn't even think about that. I was just like, oh, okay. But, like, yeah, that was a... Uh... What was it? I don't think you liked a single Star Wars movie really until we watched The Force Awakens. And then no, I liked like, Rogue One. That was on. That oh was, yeah, that was the first Star Wars movie that I I saw, and I really liked that. And I was like, okay, I guess I'll watch the rest of these. Um, and I remember telling you, like, when we watched the prequel trilogy, and like I've gone back and I said I shouldn't have done this, but I was like, listen, the prequel trilogy is bad. So we will watch that and we'll go in chronological yeah, you should order. Yeah, you shouldn't have told me. But but to be fair, that was a long time ago. We've kind of, like, we've both grown. Shifted. Well, yeah. Yeah. Our viewpoints. I, but I love Revenge of the Sith. I always have. But, like, you know, um, the original trilogy, you're iffy on. And then the sequel trilogy is like your trilogy. Why are we talking about? I don't know. We should be talking about <laughs> chapter 25. Anyway, Porter Engel says, I know what the hell's going on. And he stepped closer, and it says, The door to the Blythe's home had been marked by three jagged lines zigzagging from top to bottom. So, do they? is this like their calling card? I'm surprised yeah. they, they do this rather than doing the eye symbol. Well, the eye is Markeon. So, the, uh, I guess, okay. Yeah. So, it's three strikes that did this? Or is it just a storm? Isn't that just a three storm? Three is a tempest. Yeah, then it would have been, isn't it? Um, it was Lord, Lorna D's Tempest, but yeah. it wasn't, Lorna D wasn't there. It was her clouds, I believe, that were doing this. No idea. It was uh, It was done by a vibroblade. Vibroblade, fascinatingly, I think, in canon. It's just a, it's just a, like a sword type. Yeah, like I know. Jango Fett has him in his... Um, yeah. Um gauntlets yes um but in legends like if you ever played knights of the old republic you should be familiar with the vibroblade the Protorian guards or proletarian pro 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 prolapsal guards praetorian yeah those guards they have vibroblades um or some variation of that so ah so uh yeah three jagged lightning strikes Mole mines. Mole mines. Goodness, so, mole mines. Ember, Ember barked, uh, sound of sharp, unmistakable alarm. And going into the High Republic even more, you're going to see more of that, like, Ember Bell kind of relationship, which surprised me because I didn't think Thou so. shall have no attachment, though. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but... Anyway, mole mines. Mole mines basically, I guess, burrow underground, and once they find their target, they sprout up and explode. So it kind of made me think of in um, Infinity War, those circular things that go up underneath ground and then come back in. Um, 
you, you know the thing that Wanda like. Oh, the big giant wheels. Yeah, but a why ball was she form, up there the whole time? Like a ball form and yeah. smaller that it just pushes through the ground and then it pops up when it gets to its target and it um, when it explodes in the air it releases a oh yeah right here. It releases a, quote, ring of horizontal shrapnel along with a crown of intense heat and flame. So, so as a visual, it disperses out and explodes up. So, for- well, so it's underground. It's, yes. it's basically, you know, a mole but underground. It pops up. But when it gets to its target, it comes up to basically hit the target. And then in the air, it explodes. Yeah. Creating a ring of flame and shrapnel. But you said the flame goes up. Is that what you just said? No, I said a ring of horizontal. With a crown. With a crown of intense heat and flame. Be a crown, right? Off the top? Maybe. So, so yeah, basically, uh, Bell Zedifar comes across this, and the very first thing he does is pushes, pushes Ember as hard as he can to get her out of the way. Or is it him? Push the damn dog out of the way um, as hard as he can. And he does some uh, really intense backflipping. It says, where does it say it? Blah, 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 da, da, da. Boom, 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 da, boom, boom, boom. It's at the bottom of 201. Oh, is it? It says, um, a huge sound. Oh, then a second. Then a second a moment later. Then a second a moment later. What? Oh, then a second, a moment later. Then a second, a moment later. Are you later. reading that? A huge sound. Whoosh, then a second, a moment later. Yeah, the... De- a second, like a... The second... Then a second, a moment later. Yeah. Not a second. But it's it's all one. <laughs> then a second, a moment later. Yeah, like... A, a du- like, two. oh, I don't like that. Yeah, I know. Oh, <laughs> that's cringe. As both... I say that, and Charles Soule's a freaking millionaire over here. He's like, oh, I'll, I'll roll a lot of the jet on. No, we're I'm just kidding. a small podcast. Yeah, we're just a small podcast. As both airborne mines exploded, Bell felt a wash of heat, intense but survivable. He fell, seeing the endpoints of one of the mole mine trails just below him and aiming himself toward it as best as he can. So I guess this actually skipped what I wanted. He actually does a backflip and he pulls these mines out of the ground and he slashes them, no? No, it's keeps if you keep going. No, it says right here above that. Oh. It says two mole mines popped out of the ground goes into a description of them. But it says he yanked them out of the soil as Bell reached the top of his leap. He seized both with the force, flung them as far as he could into the air. A reflexive move he hoped would do the job. Oh, but yeah. the destroying of them is on the next page. Yes. So Bell uh, landed, stabbing his lightsaber into the ground, impaling one of the two remaining mines. The final explosive shot up into the air, and he reacted without thought. The force as his guide, slicing it in half before it reached the apex of its leap. Then we have Loden and Porter who who are dealing with their own. And Loden uh, basically used the force to yank the mines out of the ground before they got anywhere near him. Uh, and he flung it into the air to let it explode into the air well above them. Yep. Now, Porter Angle... 
he, it says here on 202, Porter was in a low crouch, his lightsaber out and lit, a bright blue blade he held in a reverse grip. He was simply slicing the mines in half as they popped out of the ground. One after another, the maneuver Bell had performed just once and didn't even truly understand how he'd managed. Porter was doing again and again. The expression on his face never changed. His blade flashed and the metal fell and he remained untouched. Both Bell and Loden were transfixed. So, yeah, like we were saying, it's like it's like if Billy the Kid was putting on like a shooting exhibition, mm-hmm. like you had Billy Billy Bob Thornton over in the corner and be like, holy hell, I'm going to become bad Santa now because that dude's the best gun in the West. So, you know, it, it or it's like um, samurai films. It's like um, Scorpion and his bastardized, right. long-distant relative cousin who doesn't make a damn sense, bit of difference. But, um, but we do have mentions. It says, not at the Jedi Temple. Uh, they were both good swordsmen, excuse me, and Loden had some claim to being great, but this was nothing they had never seen. Not at the Jedi Temple, not from Master Yoda. We know who that is. Or Zaviel Tep. We have no idea who this is. This is the very first mention. Or even Old Arkoff. Arkoff is going to be in the Edge of Balance book that's being released September 7th. So it'll be way before this, but as we're recording, it's in the future. Um, it says Bell couldn't imagine what it would be like to face Porter Engel and Con. Well, they don't call on the Blade of Bardota for nothing. They're just like, it's legends, bro. It's legends. So, and, oh, go ahead. Go ahead. Oh, I was just going to say it's why the Padawans tell stories about him. Yep. It's like the legend of Luke Skywalker, but yeah, with two titties thinking. on your head. Okay. Um, so, and Dara's like, hey, what the hell's going on? There's been a bunch of blown up and stuff. And they're like, bro, we're cool. We're cool. We're we cool. need uh, you to go back to the outpost and get a vector uh, in case we have to uh, chase these suckers off planet. Um, and we, the three of us, are going to uh, use the force to convince these Steelies to let us go and save this family because their speeder was blown up so they took steelies yes it was yes so um basically what happens is uh in the middle of page 204 loden is basically tearing the speeder apart with the force and he's taking things out of it it says wire stretch and pulled as he lifted the assembly out electronics connected to a flat metal panel dangling below the tube as he freed it from the vanguard bell watches his master quickly wove the wires into a sort of strap and slung the whole thing over his shoulder the tubes and protruded beyond his back shoulder and hip oof loden said heavy just yeah. in case See, I forget. I, I know he uses this, but I completely forget what it's for. I think it's for bomb, right? I, I really don't remember. But him being somewhat mechanically inclined, like I said, it, it reminded me of Ram Jama Ram and... Um, Ram or Jama. Breaks Crash Point Tower. So, yeah. Um, connect with your Steely. It'll be hard. Basically, we're going to twist the mind of these Steelies into yes. doing what we want them to do, which is uh, run very fast. Yes, and then <laughs> um, Loden asks Bell which direction to go through. And, of course, Bell, we've mentioned before, Bell has this knack for, like, feelings. Mm-hmm. Sensing um, 
everybody's feelings around him. So when him and Bell were on Hetzel, like flying overhead. He, yeah, he yeah. loaded made Bell, you know, practice uh, and find it, which I don't really think this is a practice. This is more so like, hey, yeah. you can do this really well and find them. We're seeing him grow. We are. He did that backflip. special boy. He did that backflip, but it says, Bell reached out looking for fear, pain, and anger and found it. Not as far as way as he might have thought either. They had a chance. That way, he said, pointing, and they went. Dun, dun, dun. Dun, dun, dun. Good chapter. Yep. Short-ish. Yep. Um, but a lot of things we already knew, and we they were just kind of getting the characters in place. Um, and as for the segment, uh, as to why this chapter exists, I think that's exactly why it exists. Um, basically to explain to you, uh, hey, we can't fly the vector to go check this out. Um, that's why we have the Vanguard. That's why we're introduced to the Vanguard. Um, but it kind of just gets the characters in place to go and try to save the Blythe family. Yeah, and I feel like this is really an introduction to a, first off, the planet's atmosphere. Of course, there's always, like, small tidbits. Well, and the, the magnetic field. Yeah. Um, a growing bell Zetafar, a um, blade of Bardota, um, Porter Engel, um, the Steelies, which have metal hooves. And we're about to hear a lot of do 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 And the audio book especially. But I feel like this chapter exists to basically showcase these characters and these situations. So when we arrive to the Nihil, which is inevitable, of course, this book's already been written, um, we'll we'll know the power levels, for lack of a better term, of these characters going up against the Nihil. So let's uh, head over to our book club. The Sacred Jedi Tech! The sacred Jedi tech. Read them, have you? Page turners. They were not. We have one from Jedi Master Garrick. It says, This is a great Jedi-focused chapter. Porter's mysterious backstory is so intriguing. He's my favorite of the group so far. Wow. I love that Indira is the most mechanically inclined and the master-apprentice dynamic between Loden and Bell is still irresistible. All the Jedi toys introduced are awesome. The V-Wheel and Veil speeders are so rad. So cool of Charles Soule to give us an off-roading Jedi. Which, which is, I didn't even think of it which as is, that. Which actually is funny. If you've ever seen the movie um, Garrick uh, True Grit with uh, Jeff Bridges or the um, John Wayne version, there's a, this is a, like a thing of Westerns where... You have two sides, the good guys and bad guys, on their horsebacks, riding at each other like a bunch of damned idiots shooting their rifles off. That's exactly what happens in this book. Which is exactly what happens. So I feel like, uh, of course, this is a throwback and callback to Star Wars' um, very first inspiration and love, which was Western movies and, Mm -hmm. of course, Seven Samurai. So like, what it's building to makes a whole lot of sense. That it does. All right. So with that being said, follow us on Instagram and Twitter at WayfinderPod. You can also get on the TikTok. Go to our link tree on our Twitter page and subscribe um, to our YouTube channel. Yes. Don't forget to follow us on Twitter. Uh, Check out our 
um, Etsy and Teespring. Um, you know, if you want uh, to follow along with each book and send in your thoughts for each chapter, we will read all entries that are given to us. Yep. Um, so ask us about our Discord where you can talk about anything you want to Star Wars as long as you are respectful. Absolutely. So with that being said, we are all the Republic. Right the storm. <laughs>